High School. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 27th, 2007. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website for lots of free downloads, which you can enjoy to your heart's content and tear your hair out with all the bad news and get some hope afterwards because there's more to it than all uh, that you hear as far as the negatives go, there's some positives, and one of the biggest positives, in fact, is the fact you can understand it and break through this great con job we call reality by understanding more. Also look into alanwattsentient.sentinel.eu and download transcripts in the various tongues of Europe. I wrote a song, or actually it was a melody, on Christmas Day at the end of a blurb and hurriedly played it uh, in appreciation for all these transcribers who are busy across the world uh, turning my talks into the different languages. It's a lot of hard work, so I dedicate it to them first and foremost and then to, to the listeners as well. Now, I'm sure everyone's recovering from this craziness they call Christmas, the midwinter solstice, and the build-up to it, which is just fanatical, hyper-commercialized nonsense, and everyone's so stressed out generally, and so is their credit cards, are maxed out, uh, buying all the stuff for other people, because they feel they're supposed to. Because everything in this system, the system here, is not ours, we think it is, we, we grow up in it, we were born into it, we think it's our system, but everything revolves around commerce and economics. And we have all these big high holidays that now really are turned into Hollywood farces and Bing Crosby, is, is that's what Christmas is all about now, Bing Crosby and, and all the old stars from the 40s and 50s seems to have taken over the message. And the stores have jumped in on that. And people get uh, zapped at Christmas. They break loose for a little while, have a little holiday, meet their relatives, if they're still speaking, and uh, generally get a bit sozzled at times, or they eat too much, and then need about a week to recover from it. And I must admit, someone sent me chocolates. That was my Achilles heel. I never told them, but someone, through intuition, sent me some chocolates, and I fell off the ladder. That was it. I fell off down the 12 steps. And that was me wasted. I was just completely wasted and slobbered with chocolate all over my face, all over my hands, just like a child, you see, going ga, ga, ga for about 24 hours on that sugar high. And now I've got to start the 12 steps again and come back to normalcy and ask God to forgive this little nematode here, this little amoeba, because of what my will made me do it, you see. And then someone sent me something that's called tablet which they make in Scotland. It's kind of like a fudge. And I've got it in a tin here, and I haven't opened it. I'm, I'm staring at it right now, but I haven't opened it. I'm trying to desist and save myself, because I, sure enough, I'll be wasted, utterly wasted. Gaga. So on we go with it. And talking about food, I've been talking about how, if you've noticed, for those who really are outside the box, outside of the the Ben Laden nonsense and all this 
towards a totalitarian society that's, that's, that's just steamrolling ahead at a, at a tremendous pace, something that was planned years and years and years ago, uh, and all the implementation phases and, and all the interactions between different departments, all working like well-meshed gears, uh, all to do with terrorism, because a long time ago in the psychological professions that were employed by the big boys, uh, they determined that we're all mentally ill. See, all the old people, mean, meaning old normalcy, that didn't adapt were really mentally ill. People who, had, who thought they had rights, things like that. Uh, trivial things like rights and individual rights and so on. They, they declared we're all mentally ill. And if you thought that family was important and, and that kind of stuff, you know, antiquated stuff, you were definitely seriously mentally ill. And they were thinking about ways to bring in this new world order, uh, something which encompasses every facet of your life. It's not just about a, a, a political system worldwide or free trade worldwide. It's about a, a completely new way of living and monitoring every person on the globe from birth to death and then moving on to the next step and the next step and the next step until they can literally breed specific types of slaves, purpose-designed slaves, ideal design. That's what ID also means. And they'll serve their masters, this guardian class, as Plato called them, very, very well. And they've gone after every, every facet of your, what you thought was your culture and substituted it with new forms of culture which most people have adapted to without question. Because when you're born into a system where this particular method of doing this particular thing is now normal, which is opposite the old system, you don't question it. You think it must be normal. And you'll even fight and argue about it. Uh, and that happens all the time. People adapt without question. Something that we also know. But this article is about uh, the food supply. Now, the United Nations, this big clean, the jolly clean green giant, is so spotlessly squeaky clean and employs hundreds of PR specialists to make sure we think it's squeaky clean. Uh, and we're, we think it's out there just helping like a big, big charity and uh, putting tents up for refugees and things. And it certainly has a few sidelines along that way, but the United Nations was set up to take over as the world government once the three big trading blocks are completed. That's United Europe, the Americas, and the Far East Pacific Rim region. That's what they set the United Nations up to be. But it also has a duplicate department of bureaucracy already working and have for, for a long, long time. Uh, for every department of your federal and local government. And they intermesh, you see, because they'll take over. And if you think that the big agri-food businesses, the big five, are independent from each other, uh, that's another con. There's only really one big food giant in the world, and that's how the new system is to be run. Because food, as the United Nations has stated before in different speeches from their Department of Agriculture, Food has been and always has been and will be used as a weapon. Now, remember they used this on Iraq during the 
two Gulf Wars. They, they, we had a scandal to do with uh, food for oil because they found out eventually that, that the boss of the United Nations' son, his son, uh, was actually letting them have food into Iraq on, but for very, very cheap oil, which he managed to dispose of to the big companies for a, a good profit. That's how squeaky clean the United Nations is. But why would you expect these guys wouldn't be crooks when everybody at the top of every other system is a crook anyway? That's what gets to the top in the psychopathic system. But they've used that as a weapon before. Now they want to go after everyone's food. And they've already done it really quietly with the GM food, the, the, the modified food, is to modify us. And I read something, some different articles from some big players on what they would use to alter the brain structure of the populace. I read it on the 25th on, on Christmas Day. You should look into that blurb. And this is an article here. It's um, from the International Herald Tribune, published December the 17th, 2007, by Elizabeth Rosenthal. It says, Rome, in an unforeseen and unprecedented shift, the world food supply is dwindling rapidly and food prices are soaring to historic levels, the top food and agricultural official of the United Nations warned Monday. Of course they warned it because it's all planned that way. The changes created a very serious risk that fewer people will be able to get food, particularly the developing world, says Jacques Dioff head of the UN Food and Agricultural Organization. That's the same organization that declared the weapon that food would be used as a weapon. The agency's food price index rose by more than 40% this year compared with 9% the year before. And that's true. Europe's having some riots in some countries and demonstrations and others because a lot of their vegetable produce and so on has gone up uh, to 40%. This is a rate that was already unacceptable, he said. New figures show that the total cost of foodstuff imported by the neediest countries rose 25% to $107 million in the last year. At the same time, reserves of cereals are severely depleted. The FAO records show world wheat stores declined 11% this year to the lowest level since 1980. That corresponds to 12 weeks of the world's total consumption much less than the average of 18 weeks consumption in storage during the period 2000 to 2005. There are only eight weeks of corn left, down from 11 weeks in the earlier period. And before I continue with this, I just want to mention another thing. Now, when the United Nations was set up uh, with this vision of running the world eventually, uh, they stated in their different articles that the United Nations would have the, the right eventually to dispense all food to each country. And that would force each country, because if they wouldn't put your quota up if your population was to rise, then they'll force you, whoever's in charge of your country, to bring the population down. You've got to keep that in mind at all times. And once that's on the books, of course, you know they're going to demand that you do reduce your population anyway. Uh, every two or three years, they'll give you a different quota lower and lower. That's how it's going to work. To continue here, prices of wheat and oil seeds are record highs, Dioff said Monday. Wheat prices have risen by $130 per tonne, or 
2% since a year ago. U.S. wheat futures broke $10 a bushel for the first time Monday, the agricultural equivalent of $100 a barrel oil. And there are different related articles on this, but DF also blamed a confluence of recent supply and demand factors for the crisis, and he predicted that these factors were here to stay. Of course they're here to stay because they've been wiping out the farmers for years. That's part of the agenda. On the supply side, these include the early effects of global warming, haha, <laughs> global warming, which has decreased crop yields in some crucial places and a shift away from a farming for human consumption towards crops for biofuels and cattle feed. Demand for grain is increasing with the world population, oh, that's a joke, the more is diverted to feed to cattle as the population of upwardly mobile meat eaters grows. See all these little terms? Upwardly mobile meat eaters are all nasty people because the world they're going to bring in is to be a vegetarian world with modified veggies only, of course. We're concerned that we are facing the perfect storm for the world's hungry, said Josette Shiran, executive director of the World Food Programme, in a telephone interview. She said that her agency's food procurement costs had gone up 50% in the past five years and that some poor people are being priced out of the food market. To make matters worse, high oil prices have doubled shipping costs in the past year, putting enormous stress on poor nations that need to import food, as well as the humanitarian agencies that provide it. Now remember, it was over it was about a year and a half ago, Mr. Rumsfeld uh, said uh, when, when uh, oil went through the $50 a barrel, the psychological barrier, the, the term that economics and once we went past that, it says, don't, don't, uh, it, it says, don't be surprised if it doubles in a year. Well, see, they knew that food and everything else related that gets transported would all go up with it. So this is no big surprise to the guys who plan strategies and, uh, for wars. This is a war on the world. And it's a war of terror using old strategies but on a world scale. None of this is a surprise to anybody at the top whatsoever. It's only to the people at the bottom who think there's no tomorrow and every day is going to be the same. Climate specialists say that the vulnerability will only increase as further effects of climate change are felt. If, if there's a significant change in climate in one of our high production areas, if there's a disease that affects a major crop, we're in a very risky situation, said Mark Houghton of the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization in Canberra. Well, it was interesting, too, with the modified crops and with Monsanto and others patenting all the old natural uh, seeds that were out there, simply because no one had thought of patenting them before. They're taking ownership of them and removing them from, from farmers and, and substituting it with their, their own uh, seeds. When they start having all the same type of a particular corn, for instance, then they're more prone to one particular disease wiping them all out. It makes it much easier to wipe them out. And this is also known at the top as well. So we're being set up uh, big time. Just already unusual weather events linked to climate change. I'll substitute that and say aerial spraying and harp, such as droughts, floods and storms, that's all in the Weather Warfare Treaty of the United Nations, have decreased production in important exporting countries like Australia and Ukraine, Diof said. And I'll be back with more of this little report here after these following messages.
online and on demand. This is We the People Radio Network. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, back with Cutting Through the Matrix, and going through some of this military strategy, and that's what it is, it's military strategy to do with warfare on the public of the world, presented to the victim as though it's just a, a happening, as the hippies used to say, it's a happening, something that's spontaneously happening by itself. And it's nothing of the kind because uh, this same agency has made many statements in the past, the United Nations Agency for Food, and say, saying that um, farming was too important to be left to farmers. And sure enough, there's been a war on farmers for about the last 40, 50 years, steadily increasing, and not just with the cost of their equipment and maintenance of the equipment, but also with the massive government interference in the way that they run their operations. We've also had weather warfare for, at least openly now, as far as for the people who see it happening, openly for 10 years. And we've seen a lot of farmers in America, in the U.S. and Canada, being wiped out with floods or droughts. And I've watched some of them in Alberta on, on TV when they had five years almost of droughts every year. And whenever they interviewed the farmers, you see all these spray trails above them, spray day after day after day. Of course, no one commented on the mainstream media about all this this web work above their, their heads. And when the storms happened, you could see them doing the same thing there too, spray, 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 and not a peep from the media about these odd trails all over the, over the sky. So they've been using weather warfare on the farmers, and the same was happening in the United States too, to drive them off their lands. And the intent being uh, that, as Carl Quigley said, the new feudal overlords for this feudal system will be the CEOs and the, the big international corporations they run. The GMO food agribusiness companies were set up to take over the woods, the food supply off the planet and they've been very successful in doing so. If you go after people in a war, from ancient times to present, uh, you go after their water and their food. It's the first things you go for. Ancient times used to find the, the, the water supply going into the cities when they were storming or besieging a city, and they'd stop it up or poison it or divert it, and the food stocks inside would dwindle rapidly. They wouldn't let food come in, and then the people were down on their knees to surrender before you knew it. So nothing changes. Why change the formula when it works time after time? And we, we take everything in this world for granted. We live in, a, in, a, in the West with an overabundance, really, of food because it's part of the economic system. So many people eat out today, they don't know how to cook at home at all even for themselves. They, they don't know how to cook uh, vegetables even. They have no idea. They're very good at ordering in restaurants, 
but they, they don't know how to, to actually peel a carrot. And that's a sad state of affairs. And it's been, on, it's been known for many, many years that if you go around Toronto or New York City uh, and collect all the food that's thrown out into the garbage from the restaurants, you could probably feed most of the world on a daily basis. That's overabundance. And that will eventually cease when the big boys have eliminated all small farmers and all competition, and they are then in charge. And plus they'll blame the global warming and droughts and all the rest of it for the problem. It will also lead to debates, which probably will hear five years down the road, to eliminate all meat products altogether, because as Alvin Toffler said in his book, Third Way, uh, the book that Newt Gingrich was handing out to congressmen a few years ago, it says right in there uh, that the world they're creating will be a vegetarian world, and it must be so. They don't tell you why it must be so. The reason why is because uh, they want to make you more placid by giving you nothing but the GMO foods. That's the reason behind it. So we live in a world, as I say, of constant war. War that's been openly declared, if you're listening to the speeches since 9-11, and even the speeches before 9-11. A war that's been declared more from institutions prior to 9-11 and private foundations. They've been telling us where they were to take us, eventually, this new scientific socialism that we create for the public. And since 9-11, governments have been telling us where they're taking us. We know that this monitoring of every individual and the millions of cameras being thrown up weekly across the planet and the complete monitoring of all Internet and chat rooms and email and so on, telephone calls, etc. We know it's got nothing to do uh, with anybody in the Middle East or Afghanistan. But nothing whatsoever to do about that. Or, or having your body cavities searched at airports by rather suspicious-looking, dubious characters. It's all about training the public into a totalitarian system where through fear and repetition of training, they will learn to obey. That's what it's all about. And as always, around 85% of the public accept whatever is dished out to them without question. It's the same 85% or so, maybe higher, that the Soviet Union had. Because in the Soviet Union, when the Stasi and the NKVD came for the public to arrest them, they'd read the people around 3 a.m. in the morning and everyone's in bed and drag out the victims and it was part of the, the Soviet system that they had to turn out the street to witness the event it was part of their law but it really was to, to train them Pavlovian style that this might happen to you so there you have two or three characters dragging a couple of unfortunates out of their bed tossing them down the stairs into the street and I'm sure the statistics were the same 85% or more of that public, probably 90% would turn away. They didn't want to see it as though, as though seeing it might implicate them somehow and then they'd get arrested 
that's the sad truth of human nature for most people. They are so into themselves and have lost the bonding. There is a self-preservation thing, really, because you survive by larger numbers, not by just being an individual in this, in this particular sense. Survivability depends on others cooperating for that main reason, for pure survival. And terror tries to break that and give you a new kind of unity, a unity through fear where you obey and obey, but you don't help each other. That's what's being implemented all over the West and really across the planet. Same system. And on Christmas Day, I talked about this. I said, do you realize it took probably a hundred years of planning and diplomatic negotiations with the head departments in every country that signed the same bills at the same time. It took a hundred years or more to align all this up through the bureaucratic departments for this all to come into existence. Nothing happens in bureaucracy quickly. It takes a lot of time, an awful lot of time. I'll be back with more after these messages. Living the good life while all the peasantry and slaves below 
did all the dirty work. And they came up with religions to rationalize this too, and even teach that to the slaves. And they'd teach them that, well, they had just bad karma, and they came back as, you know, a laborer in the fields. And if you work really hard and serve your master, serve the way that is, that is now, then you can work that off like bad credit. And you might get a better credit rating and come back the next time, and you could be the pharaoh, or at least one of his helpers, uh, maybe beating the slave with a whip. That's how that, that kind of religion works. So they always had to come up with religions to justify how the psychopaths rode the top over the little people below. And that came into Europe uh, big time with the Norman invasion, because the Normans were a completely feudalistic society. And they were backed up by the, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. They were backed to do this, and because the Catholic Church always stood on the side of having a king that was faithful or loyal to the church. And Charlemagne, for instance, was authorized to be a king by the Catholic Church on behalf of the church itself, and he was a champion of the church. He converted countries with armies who forced people at the point of the sword to accept the strange religion they'd never heard of before or die on the spot. Uh, this continued right into Latin America uh, with the conquistadores because in came the, the, the Vatican too and they literally did strangle people on the spot with a with garrote uh, these natives uh, after giving them the choice to follow Jesus or, or die and these people had never didn't know what Jesus was it was unintelligible to their, to their imagination uh, but anyway the feudal system that the Normans ruled uh, with and used over the public has never disappeared. They knew that they'd have to give the populace an idea that they were somehow running things or had a, a hand in things by creating this thing called democracy. A democracy is what they call a feint in boxing. It's, it's a con. It's, it's not really there. It's an illusion. But it, it tricks the public into believing that they have some kind of rights and that they're involved in the way that the future is going to end up. Because if they, did, they didn't give the public this particular system, uh, they knew uh, that there'd be revolutions every few years, so they give you elections every few years instead. And in democracies, no one votes in the new guys because they like them. They, they vote the old guys out because they've, they've had time to see how corrupt they are and you live in hope. So you, you, you vote in the new champion uh, who always ends up doing the same thing as the last champion. Something that some people never, ever, ever wake up to their whole lives long. And I've heard people uh, in their 80s when they send vans around to pick them up to go and vote telling you that they've always voted. Yeah, they're the first to complain how, how bad things are getting. And, and when you try and ask them, haven't you noticed regardless of what party, what person you vote for over the last 80 years an agenda is going forward and it seems to be getting worse but they'll agree with you, but then they go back in that double thing, they still have to vote, they just can't quite catch on too far gone and Thomas Jefferson talked about that because the whole concept of democracy was not new to the founding fathers of the US, these characters had great educations and they, they studied and read, and they read the Greek classics. 
and they read the histories of the world, they knew how the systems had worked and how tyrants rule under the guise of benevolent dictators. They knew what democracy was supposed to end up with because Plato went through all the systems, including democracy, which ends up in a form of socialism, which always ends up in dictatorship. It's all been done before. Ancient China, if you go into their histories, had done all of these, republicanism, they, they tried that, they tried democracy, they tried fascism uh, thousands of years ago. All well documented, all experimented with. And the founding fires of the U.S., as I said, Thomas Jefferson said, when you see an agenda carrying onwards between the different changes in Congress, meaning the different parties who get in and out, when you see a single agenda obviously carrying through from one to the other, he says, he says you know you're under tyranny. And what we've had since the League of Nations is this amazing step-by-step into the United Nations program to bring about a totalitarian world governmental system where even in the 1800s Karl Marx talked about the unification of Europe and the unification in the Americas that would come and then the Far Eastern and Pacific Rim unification the three trading blocks which would have a form to be demoted to a form of local government a provincial government, so your federal government becomes a provincial government under a super government, a world government, written all that time ago. And most people today live in ignorance of all of that. It's been taken out of their school books for them, and they have no inclination, most people, to go and find out. Because after all, today's not too bad, is it? It's all, today will always be here tomorrow will be the same as today forever and ever and, and that's infantile thinking that's how they're trained they do believe that their betters those, those people on television those famous faces will tell them all they have to know for their own good and all of those people who come out of the special wombs and run the world you know the superior types will just take it, uh, do everything for them uh, and deal with all the heavy and weighty problems of the world. That's socialism, that's infantile thinking. That's what it was designed to do. Most people do not think through problems. They adopt their customs, their religion, the changes in their system and their religion through a form of osmosis. They don't think it through. If everyone else is going off in a direction they will go in that direction too without question and they'll think they're quite normal because everyone else is going there too that's as simple as it is and they could never believe even when it's happening and this is the strange thing about human nature even when when the worst eventually comes down on their heads right to the end if they're put to the wall to be shot they would still believe it's impossible this cannot happen in my world that's why they go passively they do what they're told they're ordered to the very end and they, they, they obey to the bitter end because they cannot believe it's happening what's happening across the world to other countries 
in this perpetual war, physical war too, that we've seen going on. They've had 50 years of war or in the Latin American countries, all quiet wars, kept from the public in the, in the north and over in Europe. The people schooled in the School of the Americas, and they changed their name, but they're still operating. And we don't mind other people being killed as long as it's not us. That's the bottom line. Back with more after the following messages. to We the People Radio Network. Thank you. 
people are in the way of an agenda, an economic agenda, it's been laid out like a plan by a ruling elite, a dominant minority, they will always have genocides. And they have no favorites. Whoever happens to be in the way is eradicated. Those who can then adapt, who are left to the new system, are allowed into it. Those who will not are, are simply completely wiped out. That's standard in genocide. The economists of the 17 and 1800s for the British government and for the corporations, the crown corporations that these governments owned, listed peoples they would eradicate because they believed they would never fit in to a new economic system. And the American Indian happened to be in there too. Where I lived in my last house, south of me, there was a farmer who was a third-generation farmer. And he remembers when he was a youngster, the remnants of some Ojibwe Indians who once lived on all of the land that he lived on and that his father and grandfather had taken over. And he said it was pathetic watching these Indians because they were now landless. And they were growing, trying to grow potatoes in the ditches alongside the roads. It was about the only bit of land that they could be left to put some potatoes into without the cops or RCMP kicking them off. That's the greatness of the flags that we are supposed to worship. Although anybody who worships a flag has got a problem as far as I can see. And the genocides haven't stopped because we fulfilled our purpose here. That's why we're all put here. Our ancestors are brought across to, to fill up and become the, the, the human power to create a, a big financial capital with natural resources, unlimited natural resources that we use for more warfare purposes as the rest of the world is to be taken over. And we've been very good at that. Very, very good at that. We are a, a self-renewable energy source. We renew our own offspring and they go off to war and they're brainwashed into being very proud to, to do it without really knowing why. The standard superficial propaganda is all they need. That's good enough for them. And we're now watching the Middle East being completely turned into a, a long-term quagmire as they try and train the first generation of young people in countries like Iraq with UNESCO, who are teaching them, they want them to be the leaders, to grow up to be the first generation to bring in this same system that we have here. And the brighter ones will be chosen to do this and be completely indoctrinated with the, the Western values, if you want to call them that. And they'll also be asked to join all the old secret old boys clubs to make sure they have an interwoven international old boys club that really runs the show. And I find it odd that uh, probably not in a church across the planet that there'd probably no prayers at all for those poor people of different faiths who are being slaughtered 
air and the ground by the characters who run and dominate the West. Have you ever thought that religion is such a selfish thing? It's a, a me thing? I'm okay. I'm okay, which means that God has blessed me. What happens to someone else, that's their problem. Then you get told silly rituals to follow that suddenly make you different from anyone else. And the point of any founder is lost in the process. But that's what we're living in, utter selfish hypocrisy. Complete hypocrisy. And there, there are those who want to keep this system in the West going. Even though you can prove to them the system isn't theirs to begin with, you can't keep something that's not yours. It's just that each person hopes secretly to get through life, their own life, and to be able to continue to do the little things they do, little hobbies and pastimes and all that, without it getting any worse. Let the next generation take the hammer. The hammer falls on them. That's really what everyone hopes for. That really is a sad case of truth. When you don't have empathy for others outside of yourself who are being slaughtered, total strangers, then the big eating machine that's finishing them off will one day come round to you and ask why you shouldn't be eliminated to save old mother earth what are you going to answer them are you going to tell them to see your god tell them about it what's your answer going to be what would your answer be to your god when you were asked what did you do think about that what makes you so special so important really really think about that for myself I get bored living I get bored watching the replay because it's a replay of what you know is going to happen you've seen the movie before you've been involved and trying to expose this. You've read the documents, you've read the big players' books, you've read the UN agenda, the institutes that help it all happen, you've read their agendas, and you watch it all getting put across to you as though it's all just happening independently from one place to the other, and that's good enough for you. But this is like a replay, because you know what's happening step by step as they now convince the public of global warming. And with an ignorant public, it's so easy to convince them of anything. Anything at all. They've taken all the knowledge from the, the school books, get the old ones, read them. Back with more after these messages. <laughs> 